Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chet. Are we going to do the, we didn't just talk for an hour thing? <laughs> Let's pretend like we just didn't talk for an hour. I think well, that's we, how we started the last three podcasts. Okay. But this time we don't have a guest, so we just get to be our rambling, foolish selves true. about that's the duration. Of- and, and we did 11 minutes of the pre-roll, which if you have, if you, you know, the last pre-roll episode is probably worth uh upgrading your patreon for at least just for the last one because i do a harmonica solo and, and that's and all i'm gonna ex- say about but that here, i want to <laughs> thing i want to say about that is that it's impromptu so it wasn't yes. like he was like planning on doing this it was like we were sitting there and we were kind of running out of like anything really that we felt people might be interested in talking about and then he just busted this harmonica out and pulled off this harmonica solo and then he was i can't I won't even say anything else yeah, the, yeah, the, the way it. that it all played out is worth listening it's to. funny because right before i did that i just noticed there was a harmonica on my desk and I have no idea how it got there. I think it must be from my grandkids or something. And it was all just like, look at the harmonica, pick it up, play the harmonica, play the song. And uh, it was pretty funny. But anyway. It's um, worth listening to. It was pretty. I, I was surprised because I don't necessarily listen to all of the things that we record. And so I happened into listening to that particular one for what reason I can't remember. But I was cracking there up. There was a bunch of other I, funny I was, stuff that happened, yeah, too. It, it was, was like a weird comedy episode. Funny. Yeah, it was like we were intentionally trying to be com- comedians or something, but we were not. We were just talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty hilarious, really. Yeah. And then Andrew told us that he thought it was – a bunch of people told us that, that they thought it was funny, so – Hey, you know this synesthesia word of the week? Yeah. Maybe we should do it at the beginning instead of the end. It seems kind of weird to do it at the end. Well, what especially spent the whole episode. Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of like right now we've had like six guests and only one yeah. break or something. Yeah. So at the end of a guest thing, it's a little weird. I think it's better yeah. at the beginning of the guest, you know? But yeah. the, I guess it doesn't matter when it's just us. <laughs> but do it at the beginning. I got, I got a good one. It's a okay. strong one. I'm only doing very strong synesthesia words yeah okay not ones that are just kind of like vague some are vague some are very strong like last week it was immigration which is very strongly tastes like peas <laughs> uh Don't okay from last week then no one will listen to that episode just oh, yeah. to hear your synesthesia word if they start getting into that okay sorry so the word is couple couple okay yeah. like a couple of people or just uh, the word itself couple okay. Doesn't, however, it's used, it still I know it tastes the same. Doesn't apply in this case. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. And couple tastes like chocolate chips, like eating chocolate chips out of the bag, not chocolate chips in a chocolate chip cookie, but eating them handful of chocolate chips. That's what couple tastes like. I like to eat handfuls of chocolate chips out of the bag. Who doesn't? <laughs> Well, when I when Joy and I eat chocolate chips, she eats them one by one very carefully. But oh, I do really? this thing where I take like a handful of them and I oh, pile, yeah. pile it in my mouth yeah. and I make a big chocolatey mess out of it all. Ah, so good. Yeah, that's how I like to do it. But I gotta, she, she, I'll consume so many that like it's not fair, you know, yeah. because she's eating them one at a time. <laughs> you know, there's a, that reminds me of a funny story. Uh, my grandfather, my my 
biological dad's father. He was babysitting us once when we were little kids. And there were these dog treats that looked like chocolate, like big chocolate chips, like, or like Hershey's kisses. They looked like Hershey's mm. kisses. And he thought it was a cho- uh, like a Hershey's kiss and he ate one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like all on his own. He just did it. Yeah. And I think nobody told him like kind of everybody watched him do it. it. Did he consume it? I don't know. Like, I don't remember it. I just remember it as a, a story that uh, uh, Papa ate the dog. The treat. dog treat. That's pretty great. Anyway, uh, whenever I think of chocolate chips, I think of him eating that. <laughs> Which is weird to have a, like a chocolate dog, a fake t- chocolate dog treat because t- chocolate's po- totally poisonous to dogs. It can be anyway. Just, you know, not yeah. all dogs, but but yeah, it can be. And not it's all common. dogs? Not all dogs, no. Really? Yeah. What do you mean? Like I, certain Joy breeds? Would to, Joy would have to tell me the specific thing, but there's a she, – she knows all this, of course, because of the dog training thing, but there's a specific – chemical and i can't remember the name of it right now mm. but because i'm not the dog person but uh you know, i could hear her in my head though i just can't pick the word out <laughs> you know but she's like this is the thing and it's they're allergic to, it's an allergy it's right. actually a, an allergy that dogs have to this chemical that presents in chocolate interesting um, yeah so but and not all dogs are allergic to it so uh, that but don't right. take chances you still because it's dog so chocolate. common yeah it's so common in dogs plus caffeine is really bad for dogs even if you don't take into account that chemical because caffeine fucks their liver up really bad uh, yeah dogs have really sensitive livers and kidneys there's uh, you know uh, livers and kidneys <laughs> internal organs like livers and kidneys <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean though yeah yeah there's certain things they just can't eat. It's not good for them, and it will mess up their internal organs. Like right. you don't want to get caffeine. Like don't let them drink the foam off the top of your cappuccino because it'll give your dog renal fail- failure. Wow. You know? wow. like that. Well, interesting dog facts here. On yeah, the we dog talked Heart about we talked about dogs on the pre-roll today too. We're like all about <laughs> all about the veterinarian uh, meteorological. <laughs> If you want to hear about the, the meteorology, you're going to have to tune yeah, into the pre-roll. You want to, yeah. Don't we make this sound exciting? That's not a good uh, promo to get people to upgrade their membership, that's for sure. <laughs> it's Talking honest. about the weather. Honest, though. It's honest. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk about the uh, subject. The topic. The topic for today. This is Chet's Choice, and I'm all behind it. It is. Here comes the drum roll. Never mind. Okay, the topic today. I have a drum in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, It is horror. Dun, 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 dun. The horror. 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 I just thought it was interesting. An interesting topic because horror in film and even in literature is kind of almost looked upon as like porn or something or something like a low form, not an art, you know, not, not art worthy in a way. And um, that comes down to the essence of the dark art issue as well as not being taken seriously because it's this genre. And, but it's, it's uh, not true. I mean, a lot of horror movies are, most horror movies are really stupid and lame, but the, (laughs) The the topic of horror is super valid, you know, as as a as a as a topic to work with for a film or a story or art or whatever. Because Absolutely. 
because life, so much of life has this horror element, you know, it is an aspect of life, horror, you know, like Absolutely. so many things, just the potential horrible things that could happen and, and the horrible do. things that do happen all yeah. the time, you know, just read a newspaper, just every fucking day there's some horrible horror horror horrible <laughs> some horrible thing and uh so i think it's that to me you know that's that makes it valid that makes it important enough to talk about and and present in in any kind of art and film sure, and i don't think sure. it should be re relegated to you know b movie stuff well, and I think that, you know, a lot of the time, the reason why horror gets a bad rap is because inevitably, what does horror tie into? But the big hot word, fear, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's like, what, why is something horrific? Because it's scary, right? I mean, so, you know, and no one wants to deal with fear really directly. I mean, it, we do in the dark arts well, society, people right? People like it's, it's, horror movies it, and stuff, you know? People love horror movies, but it's atypical for a person to actually want to have to experience the hands-on reality of a horrific situation. Situation, but they can still have that vicarious experience mm -hmm. by listening to a horror album or watching a horror movie or reading a horror book and be able to go through really that, that kind of chemical psychological experience vicariously and face that, but then be able to come out alive and safe on the other side. And so I think it can be very cathartic and helpful. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I always say, you know, Stephen King kind of proved that horror is worth exploring you know yeah, in he, literature what's the quote he says uh, he says i think that the strongest human emotion is terror and if i can't terrorize somebody then i'll go for the gross out because yeah. that's, the next, <laughs> that's the next closest thing you know and it's like yeah. i love that that's just so honest you yeah. know it's so true it's so humble i mean i'm not quoting him directly i'm paraphrasing right, right. but still you know it's something to that effect i just wonder why horror in film especially is has been relegated to b movies why i wonder why that is it's like what? well i mean that's kind of why i said i brought up the fear thing because it's like everyone wants to be scared but at the same time no one really wants to admit when they're afraid <laughs> you know so it's a weird thing and i think that that's somehow like you know it makes it an untouchy area where it's like you don't really want to like you want to go to the theater and be afraid with these people together in the dark but no, you don't but you wouldn't want them to see you afraid out in the lobby like yeah, that yeah yeah i know but <laughs> i know but still why 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 are there so many bad horror movies when it's such a valid topic of exploration why is Good it question that's and it's like I it's can't, a great question actually it's you know i'm sure it has something to do with the fact that there's a market for it and and it can be, they, you know, they can uh, skimp on other aspects of it as long as the horror aspect is there. It's like it's like porn. I'm telling well, you, it's like the same thing. It's like they, they, they don't call it. They don't care about the it, the story's not that important. It's about the sex, and it's sort of I like agree. horror movies are kind of like what? the story isn't that important for for the B crappy horror movies. So it's yeah. about it's like about the shock, I guess. I would call it as a filmmaker, I call it spectacle. That's what I typically right, refer, yeah, yeah. refer to it as. And then that's not ubiquitous, like not all filmmakers refer to it that way. But just in my own lexicon, I call it spectacle because I think that that's being fair to it and not judging it. Because 
that, you know, what we're talking about here is non-judgment, right? To the best of our abilities. I mean, that's a big part of love is non-judgment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's weird that love would be tied up in this whole dark thing, but that's the reality of it. So it's like, I'm, I, I use that word intentionally because it's like, it's spectacle, whether it's pornographic or not, that's a kind of a judgment call really, you know what I right. mean? But if it's spectacle, for me, I feel comfortable referring to it that, and you're right, the reality is a spectacle is going to get a carnal reaction from people, whatever type of variety of spectacle it is. And so it's a go-to because if you don't have good content and good story, if you just don't have that, you can always you jump out and, a lot of resources. Yeah. You can, def- yeah, you can, you can jump out and scare someone easily yeah. out of it or, or show, them show a bunch of blood nudity. or something. Yeah. Or blood or a car, cha- yeah. a car wreck or a, a chase scene. You know, chase scenes are great for that because they burn time. You know, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you know, all about it. It's like rolling film. They're burning cells because they got to like move the movie along because there's no story there. You know, it's just like right. one action scene to the next with something in between, whether it's comedy or it's drama, they just fill it in. Right. So it's like, let's just, you know, put some custard in here, some drama <laughs> custard and we'll, you know, put a little, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah. the reality is it's just stringing together spectacle. And so I think you're right that there is a certain quotient of in action as well as in horror, there's that tendency to, well, we don't really have a strong storyline or maybe we have a strong storyline, but our producer's not gonna give us the full run with it because we need, they need to make money and there's gotta be enough spectacle to sell at the box office right. so the trailer looks good so that people are excited to go see it because like you said before, it's a business, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it's, 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 it's weird that it's not respected in the same way as uh, drama or comedy. You know, it's it's weird to me because, I mean, look at The Exorcist, you know, that's like a masterpiece film. Right here it's, above my computer, I have uh, one of the, you know, you see my room. I have very few things on the wall right there. The Exorcist above my mm. my computer. Here, let me show you. I believe you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I know, but I want to show you because it's an actual blow up. Oh, of yeah, that yeah. There's a film cell, an actual oh, film Oh, cool. Cell Where'd you get that? that? Says The Exorcist. Wait, wait. Hold it up again. I'm going to take yeah. a screen grab. Of just the film cell? No, just the whole thing. The whole thing. Ah, shit. Hold on. Yeah, up, back, a little back. Tilt it back. Perfect, okay. Okay, don't move. (laughs) Okay. But... You know, so th- I got that from actually. This is, it's a funny. This is a total sideline, but I guess the point of that. Th- let's let's not get too far off the subject here. I'll tell you that story some other time where I got that because okay. it is a great story. <laughs> but the point is, is like for me, you know, what that is for anybody that doesn't get to see that because it'll be a bonus image for patrons is basically a, an image of from The Exorcist, and then it's got the film cell below it right. of the actual image that's blown up, and it says The Exorcist. I've got it framed in glass. And it's a, a special memorabilia thing that I have that I, I, I have very few things I wouldn't part with and mm. I will keep that for a variety of reasons. But, you know, that's why it's there because for me, like, you know, Friedkin and, and Blatty, like the book, the film, right. the whole entire thing, it's, it is kind of like a pillar in the world of, of what that is. And also as we get into farther into this topic here, some of our personal stories, you know, for you, Night of the Living Dead is like the tits, right? Because that was right. the thing that caused you to have that kind of awakening. For mm-hmm. me, it was the exorcist. Mm-hmm. And so I have my own kind of thing around that. And that, you know, again, kind of a side story we can get into. But the point is, is that for me, 
you know, that's how profound it is. Here I am sitting in a room with very sparse walls, but one of the things I have on the wall is the exorcist. So it's like, to me, I don't value it on the level of like, you know, on the floor. It's like, it's oh, a yeah, pillar. No, that's, pillar yeah, but that's, that's, you know? that's, that's us though. <laughs> I'm talking but kind of like general I public. About, I don't know. What does the general public think? I don't have my finger on their pulse. Uh, I don't, I'm just, you know, it's just the fact that there are so many, that they can get away with so many bad horror movies, uh, kind of, it's like it, they're, you know, you can see the the studios that churn out really bad horror movies and and B horror movies. The kind of respect they have for their audience, if they think that they're willing to put up with just crap as long as they get to see the monster or whatever, you know, it's. Sure. But you know, The Exorcist was big, really big for me too. It's probably number two after Night of the Living Dead. It's it's in my top five for sure. So I remember when the movie first came out. Oh, and an interesting side note, I just watched a documentary about The Exorcist, and there, both of those guys, were uh, Friedkin and Blatty, were both saying they didn't consider it a horror movie, which I sure. thought was interesting. And it's like, you know, when a movie's that good, it kind of defies a genre anyway. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a great film. But um, Well, for, probably for I, them, because it was based in reality, they, right. it was hard for them to, you know, I mean, it's the, yeah, but, if anything, it's the horror of what they believed right. actually occurred. But even them, though, when, when talking about it was... We're like, you know, calling it a horror film really downgrades it in their mind, you know, and that's sure, the whole sure. the prejudice. But um, I remember when I was a kid, I remember when the extras came out. So that was probably 74 or 73 or early seven. I'll look it up. But it's they wouldn't allow um, any photos to be released. And so I remember they sent Famous Monsters magazine sent a. Uh, a, a an artist 1973 is when it came out so i was like 67 i was six years old mm-hmm. and um famous monsters had a an artist go and drop stills from the movie because they couldn't mm-hmm. get any photos for it but the buzz mm-hmm. was going around it, it was this big scary movie and i remember looking through the there it was on the cover there was a picture of reagan all possessed and then there was drawings inside of it and they scared me so bad just looking at these drawings, they're really, you know, realistically rendered drawings. Yeah, they they yeah. scared me so bad that I remember like laying in bed with that, that terror feeling just where you feel like kind of all hot, you know, like when you're really, when you yeah, remember when you're yeah. a kid and you get scared and it's like, you feel hot yeah. and oh, it was yeah. so scary. Like I, I lost sleep just from the pictures, which is really weird, mm-hmm. you know, just from the drawings. So anyway, that's, it's yeah, that's funny intense little, little story. Well, but. and that, that movie for me, I mean, I was, you know, God, I feel like I'm like having the weirdest deja vu. Like we've already done this episode before, but, uh, I, you know, for me, I was a little bit older. And so it was like, you know, the, the movie had come out when I was already not born. Cause I was born in 79. And so by the time that I actually got to see the film, my like parents didn't really movie. let me watch that until I was, I was like 12. So, right. you know, it was like, it had been out forever, you know, and, yeah, and everything I probably was accessible didn't, to it. I didn't see it until I was probably 12, actually. I don't think. <laughs> Cause I, I had to get it on video. Yeah, and I don't Well, and I wasn't supposed to watch it. I mean, I like watched a lot of stuff around that era, the, the six kind of sixth grade era. I watched a lot of stuff really that I probably wasn't supposed to be watching on my own, you know, kind of sneaking it. Yeah. But, 
I got freaked out with this idea similar to, similar to you where because the one scene in the movie that freaked me out the most and what's so funny is is it's like there's so many scenes in this movie you could get freaked out by yeah. and the scene that freaked me out though the most as a, a young kid watching this was like her in bed but the, before she even like gets fully possessed and she's laying in bed and they hear the sound that's like bang 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 and they yeah. come up and she's laying there and her like her legs are stuck on the bed, but her body at the waist is yeah. like swinging upward yeah. from a laying down position, but her legs are like yeah, immobile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dude, that fucking scene tweaked me out. Like it really was like, it was almost like a splinter in my brain because I couldn't shake it. It right. was like that image for some reason out of everything. And again, it's like, it seems so kind of benign. Well, she's like this doing. innocent little girl too, which and really added totally to the possessed. horror of it. But if you think about like all the spectacle in that yeah. film, I mean, really, it's like that. That's kind of benign compared to a lot of the other stuff that show you, right? It's right. really yeah, intense yeah. emotional stuff. You know, stabbing herself in the groin with a crucifix yeah. and speaking obscenities and stuff. That's way more intense than oh, my legs are immobile and my body's flopping up and down at the waist. But dude, that's freaked me out. And like yeah, I lay there trying to go to sleep, and in my mind, I was like convinced. That like I was gonna wake up and be possessed and I that'd be happening to me and there'd be nothing I could do where like my legs are stuck and my body's like and I had a mirror at the foot of my bed and I would have these like pre going to sleep nightmares where I would see myself like doing that in the mirror like in my mind's eye and shit uh-huh. like like I was possessed and flopping up at my waist like in the mirror but right. I'm actually with my eyes closed like kind of dreaming it was creepy <laughs> and that so it like really kind of got under my skin and so later when I was in high school I had to do like a, a project in high school that was uh it was like a humanities course so it was like two classes together and you had to do like a senior project or whatever mm-hmm. and I did it on uh, propaganda and I covered the idea of subliminal messaging and I found out all the different kind of little subliminal type things that they incorporated oh, yeah. in you know, like taking the sounds of bees buzzing or flies and then cha- pulling that frequency down low and layering it behind things so that it's well, this agitating sound yeah. that like really make you feel sick and actually made people vomit even in the theaters when the film was coming out yeah, because yeah. The agitation of some of the things, you know, the flashing imagery using the face. Splicing. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That fa- Just that face shot, which was um, – I'm, I'm going to nerd out for a sec, but that, that was – uh, Reagan or uh, Linda Blair's body double, and he just did a black and white paint makeup on this on on Linda Blair's double, where it's just like uh, and like I think had a pair of a set of teeth in. That was it. It was like black white makeup, Real basic, yeah, super simple. But it was that's like one of the scariest things in the movie. That flash of that face, and then they then they superimpose it over her face at one point in the film as well. That's really yeah, creepy. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there were so many little nooks and crannies. And then as you get farther into that film, not to make this whole episode about the extras, yeah. <laughs> but as you get farther into it, you know, you start to realize some of the moves even that the director was doing, like Friedkin would come on set and be like, walk up to the main actor and slap as Gabriel Byrne across the face as hard as he can. Right. That's not Gabriel, the other guy that looks like Gabriel Byrne. The <laughs> guy looks like Sal Manoa. Anyway, slaps him across the face and then is like, roll, you yeah, know, and then yeah. they just start filming. Like that kind of so stuff is like real so avant-garde, you know what I mean? And yeah. you get this really feet this creepy edgy feel out of it and like you said it really is high filmmaking it's not yeah, low yeah, filmmaking yeah, so yeah. it is weird that it's marginalized in the way that it is i agree with you yeah it's it, another just uh, we'll, we'll go off the exorcist after this but there was one uh, one other aspect uh of that whole time period uh of these possession movies that came after it there was one called from beyond the door 
It was mm, an I haven't Yeah, you got to watch I'll, you have to watch the trailer because there is a shot that even now creeps me out completely like yeah. in in a in a way that not many things do. And um it was starring I forgot her name, but she was the nanny in that TV show, Nanny and the Professor from the 70s. Juliet Richards, maybe. Anyway, she was the possessed woman. And there's just there's these shots where she's just kind of standing and then floating down the hallway. And it's and for some reason that really scared me. And then there was a the, the really super creepy shot is that, you know, of course, they ripped everything off because it was an Italian ripoff movie. And um, her head spin, you know, there's a head spinning around scene. Sure. And there's this one shot where it's kind of like over her shoulder and she just turns around and her head kind of spins all the way backwards. But it is so creepy looking. Even now, like I said, I looked at it not long ago and I'm like, that is so freaky. It, yeah. It, yeah. Just I'll the send, way they captured it. Uh, yeah. I'll send you the link. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's 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 just I don't know. I, I just find it strange. I'm not really sure why why it is that that horror gets marginalized because it's, you know, horror is, it's a huge part of life and being alive. You know, it's, yep. there's so much horror all around and so much potential horror all around that it seems like it would be a respectable genre like any other, you know, I mean, it's just, but, as, it's, but I mean, look at the way we deal with death and dying in our culture. I mean, that tells you a little bit about how people deal with horror, because one of the things that, you know, we're all afraid of is our mortality and the end of the game and what happens mm-hmm. and all that. And that's a big part of what all this dancing with horror is about while we're living. And so it's like, look at the way that the U S culture deals. With, and I say U S cause I can't speak to any other culture cause I live here. I'm from here, but look, you know, look at the way it deals with death and dying and old people and that yeah. whole entire process. You know what I mean? What it does is puts it out of sight out of mind it doesn't want to deal with it but if you were to go back like i took death and dying a death and dying course in college it was straight up called death and dying and it's Mm. honestly one of the best classes i've ever taken in my life i kept books from it that i still have because it was like such a good course and basically it took a multidisciplinary cross uh um, cultural look at death and dying and Mm. how people deal with it in different cultures and so right there that tells you everything i think we need to know about why it is that horror as a topic or a genre within art is something that's marginalized because look at the way we deal with death and dying Mm. it's like we don't want to deal with it there are cultures where you like the person dies even here where i live the native cultures here man you take that body and you wash it with your hands with your face you put it in the back room and it's there and you pray to it and you give it offerings and then it's in the ground 24 hours bam just like that you know but whatever it is that they do it's very intimate it's very hands-on it's very in their home it's Mm -hmm. not something that's removed from them it's not something that is you know the body's pumped full of chemicals oh look at the face it's all makeup okay it's in the ground it's like intimate hands-on like this was a person we loved we're going to care for their dead body now you know now again you look at that versus the way that it's popularized really since the civil war and how we deal with death ultimately and it was the civil war where embalming came into the game and so it's like all of the things that have happened since then when embalming was just a a way to get a body from a war zone back to a family member on a train that was going to take three weeks and they didn't want it bloated Mm. to how to do it now where we actually do it inevitably just obligatorily because oh that's tradition it's a strange thing and I think that that is very much tied into why horror is marginalized in our culture insofar as art is concerned yeah yeah and and that's what really all horror comes down to and all fear comes down to is is death I think ultimately it's death and pain 
fear of pain, fear of getting sick. But all of that, I think, leads to the fear of death, you know. So it's a it's a pretty good point, you know, that could Which be. Which is also kind of like fear of the unknown, because if you want to take it to the next step and say, OK, well, we all know we die. Intellectually, we're comfortable with that because we have to be. But what happens? Yeah, well, we right. don't know. And so really, what's fear of death? If you take it Yeah. And so yeah. again, why is it marginalized in art? Well, because fuck, people are so attracted to it because it's, you know, ooh, it's alluring, but it's also the scary thing because it's right. like, ooh, I don't know. So it's like back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> you know, it's edgy terrain. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, it's fun. That's, that's uh, that uh, funny that you mentioned that being edgy terrain because I was thinking that's sort of what makes horror you know, movies and whatever, uh, kind of like, um, I don't want to use the word edgy just because you just used it, but it's kind of like, <laughs> like, you know, like the black sheep topic, you know, and a little yeah, more, yeah. And a little more on the edge and a little more not mainstream basically sure, sure. because, because of that, you know, because of, because there is that element of not wanting to face it, I suppose, but it's still there and, and, all cultures. Do you know about the the Grand Guignol? I think it's how you, how you pronounce it. Grand Guignol. I don't know that. Tell me. It's uh, just. I mean, just going to the the idea that. Um. It, uh, I'm going to look it up real real quick. Fat checks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see how you pronounce it on Wikipedia. Oh, I can't even read that. Okay. Anyway, it's uh, it was from like the. I'm not hushing you. I was hushing Lupe. Uh, <laughs> um, it was a, it was a theater in Paris, and from 1897 until 1962, and they they put on horror plays. Oh, cool. and, yeah, and the, and it's like the coolest, <laughs> so cool, such a cool idea. But they were like cheesy horror movies. Like they would always have effects, and there would always be someone getting like their eye gouged out on on stage. Right, and, right. You know, it was very much like for the the shock value, and so it was these right. Plays. Well, I bet it had to be real theatrical too, because when you're talking theater and play. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're speaking to the back of the house. So it's like if you're going to have some kind of wound, people in the back of the house got to be able to see that and appreciate it. So I'm sure that it is pretty theatrical insofar as blood coming out of an eye wound when you're doing right, a theatrical yeah. stage play because you need everyone to appreciate the fact that there's a gout of blood spraying. And if you're in the back of the room, you right, wouldn't. Unless yeah, yeah, it's probably. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like people would get their eyes gouged out and their tongues ripped out and murder and mayhem. And it was really weird. That was the whole attraction to it. It's interesting that 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 even ever existed and it was really sure, popular sure. too which is i know. love plays man i haven't gone to a play in forever i used to go to plays a lot when i was in high school uh, actually because i was in kind of these humanities types advanced courses and we, we would get extra credit if you went to plays so you'd like go to city plays and then you could get like write up a little thing and you'd get out of class early and shit <laughs> so i was like all like tried to like bargain my way out of class you know right. so i'd go to these plays they were great though because it's like there's yeah, really an experience great. of yeah being in a like a dark space with people that are really performing it right in front of you and it's really immersive you get like really into the story it's like more intense than watching a movie i oh, think for sure theater, yeah yeah yeah, for sure. That's why it survived so long. But I imagine not like a, a gory horror play. Oh, my God. The yeah, gory style. Yeah, gory <laughs> horror play in the, you know, well, in mean, the early honestly, 1900s. 
Check this out. You'll appreciate this. When I was in high school, you know, we used to, I was into all these metal bands, right? So we're getting a little bit of the metal horror stuff. And again, it's marginalized, but when I was in high school, there were all these local metal bands and they would play at these different places. And one of the joints we would go to was called the coffee club. And there was this band there that was like, they would straight up bring up all kinds of like, it, that's why I said it. Cause guar, but they would bring up, they would take these baby dolls and stuff and fill them full of like plastic sacks full of fake blood. And this is like in like 1994, you know what I mean? And get up there on stage and be doing their whole metal thing, you know, and this is this tiny little venue, like really small, but just packed full of people. And they're ripping apart these, you know, babies and spraying blood all over the crowd. It's like, now when I, at the time I was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, really. I, but if I were to like see that as a, a passerby, I would be so like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that, <laughs> yeah. you know? But if you understand the culture under which it's happening, then it's like, it's a different thing, you know? Yeah, and I think context. that again, that's part of the reason though why it gets marginalized is because that spectacle can go to extreme lengths to the point that, you know, you're in the audience and you have fake blood on you, but the scene is so intense and happening in front of you. It's like almost feels like it's happening and you're young and impressionable. And so, yeah, that can be scary and intense. And so people are afraid of that. Well, what might that seed in the minds of the young? You know what I mean? But here I am a well-adjusted tax paying citizen who clearly was able to get through that without having that leave some indelible unhealthy impact on me. And I actually look back at it as a really good, good experience because it showed me that creativity can be expressed in ways that I didn't even fathom. I mean, I never would have thought of that. Like, mm-hmm. that's why it was so shocking. I was like, dude, I never would have thought of that. How cool is that? Right. Yeah, I can't believe I just yeah. saw it. You know, and it's not because I'm actually thinking about them up there ripping up dead babies. It's because no, that, of the idea that they're performing this thing that well, they that, went that, to these extreme lengths to make feel and seem yeah, real yeah. and all immersive. You yeah. Know? Well, that's why I, it, it's funny all through my, you know, adolescence, I was really into special effects and especially like I was totally into gore effects, you know, mm-hmm. like Dawn of the Dead got me totally into gore effects. And to me, it was always, I just had this attraction to it. And now it's like uh, different now that I'm older, but me too. But um, it was something that I was just totally attracted to. And it was about the, you know, the, I guess the shock value in one way, but also the tech, the technical, the technicality of it. Like, how do they do that? Yeah, and yeah. so it was like knowing that it's not real. It's like a magic trick. You it's know? totally like a magic trick. But, uh, but there's also that, that, that some freaky shock factor and maybe something like, you know, maybe it goes back to that whole primal thing that we were talking about before. Remember we were talking about, uh, I think this may have just been a conversation between you and I. I don't think we even mm-hmm. talked about it on the show, but how there is that inner, we have this, you know, uh, primal memory from being predators for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years or however long we've been humans on this planet. And so there is this, there's, there are all these, um, you know, like traits of, because we are predators. There's like pred- predatorial traits in us, inside of us. And so, it, you know, being attracted to seeing that might be like a healthy way of getting that desire that that's part of our, uh, it's part of our DNA, Yeah, you know, because that's part of our evolutionary process. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that because, you know, there was hunting and killing and slaughtering and that equals I get to live another week 
<laughs> so it's like there's this connection of gore well, and blood and survival. Yeah, very you know? direct. Yeah, it's not like there's a liaison like money between us and the thing that we need to consume, you know, in right. that state. But you just even look at our biology, like we, you and I have talked about before. You know, if you look at a person's biology, the way they're made up, it tells you everything you need to know about them as a mammal. Our eyes face forward. We, we can actually see in three dimensions. We have all different kinds of teeth for mm. ripping and tearing and gnashing and grinding. You know what I mean? So you start looking at the biology and you realize, oh, okay, yeah. So we very much, one way or another, whatever you want to believe, you look at the biology, it doesn't lie, right? right. It's like we, we are predators for sure. And so, yeah, why, why is it that we see in this civilized society that we live that people act out in that manner? It doesn't seem so surprising to me. I see what's surprising is, is how civilized we actually are. I know, right. Like how civilized we've been able to <laughs> be, I think you know? A lot, yeah. It's kind of astounding, really. That's the thing we should be holding up is not, you know, oh God, we're so despicable, you know? And I think that this kind of stuff is like you said, part and parcel with that, because the more you address that on a cognitive level, the more you're able to actually deal with some of those implications that are occurring on an unconscious level, but in a way you're actually managing them with your own thoughts, your logic, your rationale. That's why we have the brain that we have. That's why we have built the tools we have and the technologies and things that we've And, and, you know, we are in the modern world, we don't need to we've we've all agreed as a society that going and killing people in the town next to you isn't good for anybody and slaughtering a village you know which is the way things used to work and uh and a lot longer than they did the way they are now right and to some degree it is still that way with uh governments uh, you know countries and war, but still it's like, we've all agreed that this is not a way we want to behave any longer, but we do still have those impulses and those feelings and right. anger and, and, uh, you know, desire for, you know, just that. Well, to even see blood. I mean, how many people want to say like, Oh yeah, I'm attracted to seeing gory shit. It's like, that's, that makes you bad, but it's like, well, think about it. Well, like you said, of course you're attracted to it because Somewhere you kill you. Yeah. so you could eat it so that you wouldn't die <laughs> right. on some you know, hereditary level. Yeah, our- so it's like, why, why, but then if you deny that, that's where the sickness comes right, in because right. it's society that's putting that in the corner and saying, don't look at that, that makes it sick. Because yeah. if you actually are addressing it with dark art, I think those people are less likely to act out aberrantly than they, right. than you would be if you weren't addressing it. If right. you're just like, oh no, that doesn't exist in me. I'm a Puritan. I'm perfect. Right. I don't have those feelings. It's like, yeah, sure. And that, those are the people I'm afraid what they're really doing, right. you know? Yeah. And the people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm into all this freaky shit. I'm like, OK, they're probably healthy. You know, they're probably straight. <laughs> well, oh, that, all right. You that, I mean? This is that's this is a great time to bring up that one topic. I mean, this is related to that topic. Actually, when we were t- discussing this is a couple of weeks ago, when we were discussing the horror topic of horror on the show. I, I was talking about um, watching that true crime show and that mm-hmm. and, and how disturbed I was. So I'll, I'll, I'll evil genius show. No, it wasn't evil genius. It was some other just a weird. Oh yeah. yeah you and I didn't the, talk about this on the podcast. This yeah, was just a yeah. conversation. We had, I was thinking yeah. we should talk about it on the pop podcast while we're talking yeah, about yeah, horror. It so it's like a perfect intro to that. But I watched, sure. um, one of these, you know, it's kind of like a cheesy show, but it was a true crime show where they, um, talk about different cases. And this one, uh, it was a couple There were like, I th- probably in their late teens, early twenties. And, the the it was a, a man and a woman and and the guy had a desire since he was a kid to kill someone and the woman had a desire to skin someone 
and do like a taxidermy job on a human being. That was her thing that she was into. And so they lured someone to the woods and then the guy killed him. And then the woman skinned him and was like, you know, totally into it. Like she cut his skin of his face off and I mean, they showed pictures. It was really freaky, but um, the, it was, you know, very disturbing. The whole thing was very disturbing. They got caught, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that really bothered me was that the chick, they didn't show the guy, chick, that's not a very good term to use, but this girl, <laughs> she was totally like into black metal and occultism. And you could tell she was like someone that would be totally into the dark art society <laughs> the kind of stuff that we do. And yeah. it was, and it was like, she was the, um, the stereotype. The, well, she was what people think when they see people that are into metal and, and yeah. dressed in black, people think, oh, they're psycho killers. And, you know, we know that the whole point of this dark art society thing is that, no, it's not the case. It's the opposite usually, but yeah, usually, <laughs> yeah. But that's why it disturbed me so much because it's like, oh man, that just hits too close to home. When you, when you see, it's kind of like, total opposite of what we're, we're preaching <laughs> yeah, here, you yeah. know, it really bummed me out because she had like drawings that she had done. And it was like her with a third eye and like this weird sigil above her head and, and, you know, and all this poetry, but the poetry was kind of extreme. Like, you know, I want to punish all of humanity and skin someone and do blah, blah, blah. And it was just, you know, really cheesy and stuff but it, you know what it sounds like to me i mean honestly is it sounds like somebody who really needed some help i mean right. you know like somebody who and the thing is that's the, that's that fine line we're talking about here because it's like you know you shouldn't go up to somebody who's doing dark art and be like oh you need help you know right. what i mean like that's not what we're talking about but at the same time if you're exhibiting myriad traits that indicate right. that there's something unhealthy going on and that that is maybe one of 15 other things as a semblance of who you right. are yeah like then were, maybe that's something to be you know you you maybe you should ask yeah, the person they were, they were the thing is if the person if you ask the person about their art and you said you know well, i'm worried about your poem and they were like oh don't worry i was just blowing off some steam or oh yeah it's just something i fantasize about versus oh yeah i want to skin every Everyone in the world. I just can't wait to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Well, That's going to change the way you feel about it. They, they were <laughs> killing cats and stuff. They were working their sure. way up to it. So, so I, I imagine there was all kinds of other uh, indicators. symptoms. Yeah, indicators. But still, still, it really was like, oh, man, couldn't she have been like super nice normal person like most of these serial killers are. She, does, she does all these still lives of like fruit and flowers and stuff but that'd be perfect yeah that's so yeah. needs to happen anyway that, that well but the, i think the reason really though again me. what we're talking about though is i get we're kind of dancing around the thing that's it's uncomfortable to talk about and that's why you end up laughing and make a little bit of light out of it because it is uncomfortable because we're talking about these deep-seated things in us as humans and things that we typically don't really want to necessarily air in front of other people but that's kind of what the dark art society is all about and so you know in that situation again what i'm seeing in this world is just more of people feeling like they can't express themselves genuinely they're not allowed to and so they have to somehow compartmentalize that and find a way that they can either a get away with expressing mm -hmm. themselves however they genuinely want to or find some other outlet whether that's constructive or destructive and those are the options really right yeah. or just address the thing i mean don't put it in the corner and not 
deal with it to the point then that it becomes unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, it's all about actually looking at the things we don't really want to look at. And I very much have been having a personal experience with that over the past couple of years of dealing with things that I don't really want to deal with. But you know, the sooner I deal with the things inside of me that aren't working right, the better person I can be and the more healthy I can be and the more productive I can be. Because again, I'm all about the alchemy of it, you know, and you can spin that alchemy any direction you want to spin it, but I want to be productive, right? I want to do good things. I feel good about doing good things. I am a good person. So that's my goal. And if I can do that better, I can feel better, right? right? And so everything I do leads into that. But it's like you could do any kind of alchemy you want to do. You know, if you want to do uh, destructive things. Sure. You know, and so that's the choice. And that's why it's kind of, again, it's weird, edgy terrain, right? Because (laughs) we're talking about the shit where it's like, there's no, you know, no one's going to walk around with a scarlet letter telling you whether or not they're going to go murder their neighbor or not. And their drawings aren't going to tell you either. You know what I mean? You got to look a lot deeper than that. It's just, that's so superficial, but it's still scary because we're marginalized in that fashion. And because of documentaries like that, that spin it that way, that is what the mass consumption is provided, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, I guess it just, it, it, you know what? It was in that, it was in that, um, the, the, uh, documentary on, uh, serial killer profilers I told you about. That's what it was. It's on, uh, uh, gaze, gazing into the abyss or something like that on uh, iTunes. But, um, one thing they said about it, this one woman who was like one of the big, uh, respected researchers in the field of uh, serial killer profilers or whatever they call them. Um, And she was saying how there is no one indicator on why a person becomes a serial killer. It's like totally this random thing and they don't even know what causes it. It's not always environmental you know, it's, there's a, there's, they just not don't, always hereditary. Yeah, they, they don't have a handle on it not at always all. Both. So Sometimes it's neither. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so the fact that some, you know, heavy metal, dark art fan ended up being, um, uh, you know, a sadistic skin ripping off taxidermist murderer is just, you know, it's a, it's another, it, another random. Variant. It's yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's a really, random yeah. thing that hits any, any, walk of life. It's just a random thing. You could be be just like a lot of them have been, you know, the pastor at a church or anything else, you know, it could be anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's a disease. I mean, let's be honest. It's just, again, we're dealing with mental illness stuff that, you know, that's where the conversation ends up going when you talk about all this, because these people aren't now, this is just my opinion. Ascribe to whatever you want. I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to tell anybody what to think, but you know, the truth is, is that I think these people are sick. It's an illness. You know, we have, a, there's a lot of mental illness that we're not addressing in this world. And one of those things is homicidal tendencies and psychopathy among many others, pedophilia. There's a lot of different mental illnesses that are not being addressed. And the reason is because they're yucky and uncomfortable and no one wants to look at it. Right. And so, but the thing is, is that if those people don't, it's like you and I talked about the other day on the phone, you have a suicide hotline everywhere, but what do you do if you want to kill somebody? There's no line you can call right, right? now that, you know, people might laugh when or I say petty, that, but it, pedophilia. Yeah. Or what if, yeah. What if you're having these impulses? What if a person could actually call and talk with somebody instead of being shunned and afraid so that then they have to indulge in fantasies on their own? If they could actually talk with someone who cared and was like, oh man, that's fucked up. You're having those feelings. You know, I'm here for you, you know, and they could talk to them and yeah, whatever the education is. Yeah. I don't know what it is because I'm not the guy that does that. But the point is, is that it's, it shows the imbalance in our culture that we don't provide those resources and how arcane we are 
when it comes to dealing with mental illness versus uh, the myriad other illnesses that we deal with. I mean, look right. at how advanced we are when it comes to dealing with some of these other illnesses. But the mental illness one is like, oh, no, hands off, you know. Yeah. And that is tied up in the horror shit. It's tied up in the dark art shit. It's tied up in all that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I agree. And and it's funny that um, the, the more we suppress these things, as far as not suppressing not in the sense of not acting on them, but in the sense of suppressing that they exist within all of us, the more they come out in subconscious ways and the people maybe that are not uh, fully don't have it in them to be a killer or whatever, they might be expressing that part of themselves through art, through film in a creative way, because they're not, you know, they're not the kind of person that would, be able to do that or want to do right. it or whatever. Right. So it's like, it does keep coming up. I mean, it's part of horror is part of the culture, you know, horror is part of the culture and, um, horror is just part of life. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah. just the reality well, of it. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, you and life and you got death and if death's <laughs> involved, there's horror. So there you go. I mean, dude, any, you smell death. Anybody, anybody that smelled death knows the smell of death. And when you smell it, it smells like nothing else. Yeah, there is yeah. a very specific smell to it. And it's like one of those things where you're like, Oh man, yeah. dude, you know, that's fucked. Something's dead, you know? And it's just, it's deplorable. It's unpleasant. Everything about it is gross. But at the same time, we are attracted to it because it symbolizes this thing that we really will never be able well, to yeah. define or understand. Yeah. At some you level, know? everyone's, you know, at some level, everyone's, I think, fascinated by it because that's where we're all going. Yep. You know, we're all, another. Yeah. No matter no matter what the uh, the guy in your cosmic trigger book that I've been reading says about uh, about you know these eight hundred year long life pills and stuff like that, <laughs> I ain't seen nothing about that. So yeah, right. <laughs> I think the death's always going to be a part of the game. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't think that we're going to cyber our way out of that. You never know, though. You never know. They might be able to find a way to. I mean, well, they're you know, I mean, you read about all the stuff. Yeah, they're you know, implanting, downloading personalities, right. and digitizing and implants and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do know. I'm just saying that. Still, Prob as it stands not. for us I mean, now, let's just at it's least part it of the way. natural order. For death, sure. yeah, death is going to prevail one way or another. And if nothing else, death is you know nothing but transmutation. And right. so, and you know, again, we get down to the basics. It's like you know, not, energy is neither made nor destroyed; it only changes form. And so. You know, yeah, we die, we're recycled, we're compost, we're something else, we're everything, we're all things, la di da. You know, I mean, that's like, right, this that's what it's all getting back to. And that's what we all want to find is that peace at that center to feel all right about it. Right. You know, and we, we don't always. And that's the fluctuation. I mean, there's no destination point in life. Where you're just going to feel good all the time. If that right. happened, you'd just die because you'd have no reason to go on to seek for anything else. Right. You know, so yeah, that's got to be a reason. Yeah, you know? that's yeah, part, you of the, reason. part of the rules of the game to make it all work, you know, is that dissatisfaction and not always being happy and not always feeling good as, as well as the death issue, you know, it gives life value death. If without death, there, there wouldn't be any real value to life because yeah, you, what would be the point. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be here all the time. So yeah, it's I mean, you might as well just be, I mean, that's, you know, that's basically infinity. That's what, you know, if you get down to it, that's what the, everything is, the God, the universe, Allah, you know, great spirit, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. So right. it's like you, 
that already exists. So this is just an aberration of that. So you can go back to the thing. You're going to do that anyway. So the death has to be part of this experience for it to actually mean anything. Right. So you get to wake up at the end. Remember, you're already who you are. And you get that great feeling of love when you realize, oh, yeah, it was just it's nothing. It, it wasn't anything. It was right. all nothing. You know, that's what it's all. It's just this game of like loneliness that God plays with himself because he's so he, she, whatever it (laughs) It, is so lonely. I always say it is the best way to describe God. (laughs) It's so lonely that it has to fractalize itself infinitively and forget that it's itself so it can wake up, um, you know, infinitive times and remember that it is itself. Like what a psychotic game that is. Tell me a mental (laughs) illness, you know. (laughs) It's the only game to play if you're God. It's the game. Yeah. And we're all part of it. Yeah. So. I don't know. These are just thoughts on horror. There are no answers here, but I think that um, if you look, horror is it's more in real life than it is represented in our arts. Totally. Because eating, which you do every day, and most people eat meat, and that is horror. Slaughter, killing, death, and animals. I mean, and it's natural. That's the thing. It's natural. Animals ripping each other apart with their teeth, killing yep. each other with their teeth and, and their claws and, ter- and mutilating the, yeah. the body of the thing. It, it's horror. And it, it's part how it of how, how it works. It's a part of what makes it work. It's, you know, it has to be that way. And yep. it's just, it's such a big part of life that it just, just feels weird to me that it's not represented equally amongst all the other important things in life that make life work. That's my, granddaughters <laughs> the, the arrival of the granddaughters <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know talking about life and death right yeah. and they are the embodiment of fresh life yeah. you know i mean that's why it's exciting that's why it's fun to be around kids because there it's that spark it's that new thing you know mm-hmm. it's like wow cool they just everything's new and exciting and you can almost see through their eyes right. you know the same thing goes for being around someone who's dying and old you know what i mean because you can then sit with them and absorb that experience of like them them thinking that they're you know in a different place in time with other people around that aren't there and like how amazing is that you know so there's all these experiences to be had in both ends of that. But again, the sad thing is, is that in our culture, I think very much we focus on the, the life and the birth and the, the creation. I mean, look at the population of our world, right? The population of our world tells right. you all you really need to know. But we don't want to deal with the backside of that. We don't want to deal with, you know, the people as they get old and they're dying. Right. You know, that's not something that we're comfortable dealing with. But that is so important because that's like this major hello <laughs> stage in the process. You know what I mean? Can she hear me? No, here, you want to listen? This is Chloe. Hey, Chloe, do you remember me? I, I came and visited you before. Say hi to Remember? Him. I had big, long, blonde, the white hair. You always want to play with the microphone. Hello. <laughs> this is on the Dark Art Society podcast. Okay, I'm almost done here. We're recording right now, so I'll be out in one second, okay? Come on, Daddy, go, Ducky. <laughs> you know, uh, part of why I bring can that up. Can you shut up, the though. door? I'll be out in like five minutes. So, Chloe, can you shut the door, please? Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Part of the reason why I bring that up is because, like, you know, right now my mom, she's dealing with her mother who is elderly and, you know, is at the end of her life effectively and really very much at the end of her life. And my mom is there for her and experiencing that with her. And the thing is, is that there's so much value in being able to provide a comfortable place for a person to be Mm -hmm. able to have that that change, that huge, Im- immense change, the biggest change you're going to ever have. The horror. Speaking, it is that the is the, 
thing. It's yeah, the horror. Know. That is the horror. <laughs> to be like, you know, around strangers in some weird hospital I know, clinical area. I know, no I know. And, you know, so the thing is, it's I'm terrible. not saying we can't, we're not, you know, we, we don't have to work within the confines of our reality and our resources, right? I, I'm not trying to say that that's not the case. But what I'm saying is, is like, for instance, one of the things my mom has been telling her mother, and I think this is huge and beautiful, is anytime you're ready to go, you just go, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And what a gift to give someone who's in that spot as opposed to trying to hold on to them and make them feel like they have to stay. Right. Because here's my grandmother asking questions like waking up in the morning and looking at my mom and saying, whoa, I'm still alive. And like, I mean, that's how close she is. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for my mom to be able to, and, and she even, I remember my mom told me that my grandma had said, uh, you know, how long do I have to keep doing this? She asked my wow. mom, you know, and my mom was like, as long as you want to, right. and that's it. You don't have to do it any longer than you want it, you know? And to me, that's just like the most beautiful gift you could provide someone who's facing the unknown. I mean, Jesus, right. that's the thing, right? You know, and so I think it's sad that we have such an imbalance in our world where we celebrate life so much in birth and procreation, but we have such a, a sad, despicable approach to this other huge stage yeah. on the other end scale that's so vastly important to right, all of us right. as individuals and as a tribe you know as yeah. humans on this. i've been you know i've been around two people when they died and like in the room like next to them mm-hmm. and which was lisa's mom and my mom and you know when when a person's dying if you if you can like get into that space and not be afraid of it, the whole process is actually really amazing and not, it doesn't feel like the horror that we all our lives, that feeling of the horror, at least it wasn't like that for me, like going through that. Cause there's a certain point where the dying person, you know, knows they're dying and they sort of aren't, terrified anymore especially if i think if you know if you lived a decent life and you don't have all kinds of regrets and and all that business but um there's really like there's like a beauty in it you know there's a beauty to the whole thing and you know perhaps we could be um trying to think about death in that way now so we don't have to be afraid of it our whole lives and get to that point and then realize it's all good it's part of the whole thing and blah 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 you know but but having experienced it myself i it's it's not it wasn't like when lisa's mom died i wasn't i wasn't there right when my mom died but i was there when she was like a day into it and she was just kind of gone um but still still unconscious but you know almost gone but um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah i didn't i wasn't there right when she died but with gretchen lisa's mom i was and when she died like i was there when she took her last breath it wasn't like the horror you no, know it wasn't like no. oh terror well, I, horror. I know, it that's was, why you were being facetious when you said that. yeah it was it was it was like a feeling of peace it felt natural it felt it good it's in a way because thing yeah, is, she really. wasn't suffering anymore. It was an easy passage and it was, it kind of made me feel weird that it felt that way because I was expecting, expecting it to be just like the most horrible thing in the world. And, and it just was kind of this cosmic spiritual feeling, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. So, 
Well, and obviously, you know, I mean, you take into account the fact that some people die from diseases and things right. that cause it to be really violent and uncomfortable and right. unpleasant and all of that. So not all, all death is going to be the same, but still, even in that, you know, I mean, when you look at any of these religious sects, even a lot of the Eastern philosophies, you know, the idea is that you can, there is peace to be found in feeling like you're going to vomit and, and having diarrhea, you know, there's, there, <laughs> God is in all things. I mean, right. You right. know, so, you know, even in the throes of, of pain and anguish, you know what I mean? That's part of it. That's not separate from it. And that's right. why I love the poet Rumi. That's why I love a lot of the Sufi tradition and a lot of the pantheism stuff, even though I'm not, I don't ascribe to those traditions or beliefs specifically, but I love it because it equivocates all of that. It's like, right. it, you know, we, we're the ones placing judgments. We're the ones sitting around in high judgment as humans saying, this is bad and this is good. Right. You know, the rest of the natural world just does what it does, yeah. man. And there ain't no judgment involved. Yeah. You know, it just does. Does what it does. We're the ones that are sitting around all preoccupied with that, right. you know? Yeah. And so that's why I love that Sufi stuff and the Rumi stuff. Cause it's just so straight. It's just like, no man, it's, it's like, it, that's how it is. All the horrible stuff, all the good stuff, all part of it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know, all, yes. if you can accept that it's so much easier. Your passage mm -hmm. on life just becomes so much, you know, more pleasant and happier. I right. find personally. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. We're at an hour here. So nice. Well, I want to smoke after that great conversation yeah that was good all right <laughs> the horror that's what i think the episode should be called the horror yeah we should, but you know i i at the end though you got me all like wanting to memorialize gretchen and use the gretchen painting for the cover oh yeah we could use that because that's such a great painting yeah. and that fits you know yeah we could do that the cool. horror call it the horror and use, use that the gretchen use that painting. image okay yeah well thank you for chatting oh, shoot. let me see if we have any new people oh yeah quick. yeah because i don't want to drop the ball i'm trying so hard not to drop the ball and you did your uh word at the beginning so yeah let me uh oh i'm logged into the wrong one i'm gonna think of a new one i got now. too many patreons going on here folks well i'm logging into the patreon.com forward slash dark arts society let me tell you about my patreon.com forward slash emails from infinity and <laughs> patreon.com forward slash land of a jam <laughs> So what's the email for this one? Oh yeah, chat at. Here we go. I have all these these passwords memorized, so I just gotta like go into my brain and look through the little Rolodex and like which one is this? Right. And then I think sideways, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's this one. That's handy. Okay, so here we go. Notifications. I love this part. This is my favorite part, really, looking at the notifications because it's just fun to see people getting engaged and enjoying themselves. Bam Maslar, check it out. Hey, Remember ben. after he was mentioned on uh, yep. which episode was it? He's supporting mine, my, my uh, personal Patreon as well. And we also have a three dollar. And he pledge. does cool paintings of burning churches. Oh, oh, that's Bam Maslar. Yeah. cool. I love those paintings. Yeah, okay, cool. so we've also got a three dollar pledged by. And there's nothing there. So whomever that is is remaining anonymous as a member of the Dark Art Society podcast. And after this episode, maybe I don't blame me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, though, seriously, for supporting the Dark Art Society podcast. And if you didn't get a chance to uh, check out the RSVP retreat, go over there and check that post. Read up on the retreat, RSVP, and become a member of the first annual Dark Art Society retreat happening here in the land of enchantment, northern New Mexico, in September. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for li listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, Mike, for chatting once again, and we will do it again in a week. Awesome. Sounds good. Have a good day, everyone. All right. See you later. Peace.